is Your Working Life, a podcast that provides you with tools, inspiration, and resources so you can enjoy your career and love your life. I'm Caroline Dowd Higgins. I'm a speaker, a career and executive coach, and today I welcome Allison Shapira to the show. Allison's going to talk about something near and dear to me, how operatic skills can boost your speaking skills and instill authenticity and purpose. Allison, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Caroline. What a pleasure to be with you today. I'm so thrilled to be speaking with you, and I love, love, love your book, and we're going to dive into that momentarily, but I'd love for the audience to understand your background, something certainly that I share. How did you go from the world of opera to public speaking? It's certainly a question that a lot of people ask me, as I'm sure they ask you as well, Caroline. Growing up, all I ever wanted to do was be an opera singer. But when I got to college and was majoring in vocal performance, I lost my passion for singing. It became a chore and and I became so interested in other aspects of, of life from astrophysics to foreign languages. So I wound up leaving opera and then going into the field of diplomacy where I learned that everything I had studied as a singer actually made me a very, very good public speaker and an even better coach. And so I was able to repurpose those operatic skills for public speaking. I love that. And you know, what it also tells me too is that you are a woman of many talents and many strengths, and it took tremendous courage to be able to say, there's so much more to me than just this this musical talent. So well done you. You are, are also a woman who reinvented yourself. Tell me about how you started your business and, and what happened there. Once I got involved in diplomacy, I joined Toastmasters, which is a terrific nonprofit organization for people to practice public speaking. And through Toastmasters, somebody actually reached out to me for coaching, and they became my first coaching client. And that was over 15 years ago. That's how I started the business. And for 10 years, it was always a side business. When I was working at Harvard University, I was teaching public speaking on the side, but I was always afraid of taking it full time. And then about six years ago, I was offered a job in Washington, D.C. at a consulting firm and wound up giving notice on my job at Harvard and giving notice on my apartment and then went to D.C. and, and, and had a very visceral reaction to the environment. It felt like it wasn't the right place for me. So I actually turned down the job on day three, but I had already given notice on my job and apartment up in Cambridge. So I found myself with no job, no apartment, and did what any reasonable adult would do. I put everything in storage, bought a travel guitar, and said, I'm going to Europe. I'll figure my life out when I get back. Well done you. Well done you. That takes a lot of guts. You know, and you figured it out clearly. So what happened next? So I came back from from Europe. I actually wound up recording an album of original songs that I had written in Europe and realized that I had this side business that I had always been afraid of taking full time, but nothing else felt like the right fit except for this. So I decided I would move to DC on my own and take this side business teaching public speaking and launch it full time. 
and I would give myself a year. And if I couldn't pay rent using what I earned from the business in a year, then I'd go work for somebody else. And within that first year, I had 35 clients. Wow. And it was this terrific proof of concept. And now we're six years in and we're a team of six. And I was a finalist for Woman Business Owner of the Year by the National Association of Women Business Owners. So it's such a, a validation of that huge risk that I took six years well ago. Well done. And you know, so many of the individuals listening are entrepreneurs or they are emerging entrepreneurs really tapping that next step. And and you're right, risk is an important part of that process. So thank you for sharing your bravery and your vulnerability. Allison, I know you're particularly passionate about working with women. You certainly work with men as well. But what are some of the things that you help women do to own their professional presence and speak with impact? It's such a great question because the the skills that women need to speak with impact are the same skills that men need to speak with impact. We need confidence. We need to have a, a sense of purpose in what we say and why we say it. We need to have clear communication skills. The challenge women face is that when we don't have those skills, it disproportionately holds us back more. And one of my one of my female clients who works in investment banking said, there are plenty of men at the top who lack communication skills. There are, there's not a single woman at the top who lacks these skills. And that speaks to to the way that these skills are, are necessary for us, particularly for women and particularly women who work in mostly male industries. So I do a lot of work with women's initiatives within corporations, firms, companies where women want to come together to help one another and to build skills in a safe environment where they can talk through the challenges that they face with other women who may feel like they're the only ones going through these challenges. And so it creates a very powerful support structure that helps women move ahead in their career, certainly within the firm, but also overall. Allison, it's so important for women, as you just articulately shared to be seen and heard and to really hone that executive presence. And and the tagline of your book is how to command the room and influence others. So so how do you approach that? How do you peel back the layers and help women own that self-confidence, but also rallying your operatic training, you know, show them physically how to own their voice? One of the most important questions, if not the most important question that I ask in the book is the question, why you? Hmm. Anytime you're preparing to speak to an audience of one or more, asking why you means why do you care about the subject? It's not why are you qualified because your sense of confidence shouldn't just come from your qualifications. It should come from a sense of purpose around why you do what you do, why you care about your work, why you care about your audience or about the subject of your speech. And so when you answer that question, it builds on a sense of purpose about why this work is important. And that sense of purpose is what makes you stand taller. It comes across in the strength and confidence of your voice. And that presence commands the room. Now, you asked about the operatic training. 
one of the things that holds us back when we speak, it's not just perhaps a lack of connection to the subject from not having asked why you, it's also nervousness. Nervousness, fear of public speaking, fear of standing up and looking foolish in front of our colleagues or clients. And so through my operatic training, I've learned breathing techniques because for opera singers, it's pretty nerve wracking to get up in front of an audience and perform and perform in front of critics, in front of colleagues, in front of colleagues who may be listening to you and critiquing you to one another. So the operatic breathing techniques that I learned and put in the book are incredibly valuable for anyone, whether they're speaking or singing, to calm their nerves and also learn to use that breathing to project their voice across the room, which commands and influences others. Well, we are kindred spirits in that regard, and I'm eager to talk more about our diva training, but we'll be right back after a quick break. Your working life is powered by your stories. We want to hear more from our listeners about your experiences in the workplace. Tell us what challenges you've overcome or tips you've learned along the way. And even better, if you don't have the answers, let us know what issues you want to learn more about. We want this podcast to serve you in all of your career and life needs. Send me an email at caroline at carolinedoubthiggins.com. Listen, let's dive a little deeper. Uh, I love that you're talking about breathing. And, and often when, when I'm coaching women, and you certainly are, are focusing on executive presence and this extraordinary opportunity to speak with impact, which is the title of your book, I often see women compromise their own posture. And body rank language does exude confidence or not. So what are your thoughts about how women listening around the world can improve their posture and the message that they convey with their own body language. I'm so glad you asked that because the moment we walk into a room, we're communicating before we even say a word. Our posture communicates, our energy, our attire, so many things are communicating before we start to speak. Now, posture has two powerful impacts. It it impacts the way others perceive us. So when we stand tall and own our full height, it makes others perceive us as more confident. It also impacts the way we sound and feel. So when you're bent over with your arms crossed defensively or perhaps your legs crossed, you know, we see we see a lot of women standing with their legs crossed one over the other while standing and that that is a more weak posture that doesn't convey confidence and strength. And it also makes us less effective in our breathing because, and you've probably heard this, it's like trying to play with a bent violin. Right. You know, if you, if you bend the shape of the violin, the sound that comes out is negatively impacted. So for us as speakers, certainly when we want to make a powerful first impression, standing tall makes us feel and sound better and then makes a stronger, more compelling impact 
impact on our audience. I'm so grateful that you said that first impression happens before you even open your mouth. And, and I liken it to, to our days auditioning. You know, when you walk onto the stage, they've made a first impression, right? The directors, the conductors. And that's true in the world of work, in the non-musical arena as well. Let's dive into some vocal issues. I, I know some of our audience may have heard of uptalk or upspeak and also vocal fry. Can you unpack that? for us, Allison, and help us work around those, because those can be detractors, especially for women. Exactly. And I've recorded videos on both of those topics. It's once again, up talk and vocal fry are issues that affect both men and women. I hear everyone use it. The challenge is when women use it, it costs us more. It disproportionately holds us back. So up talk is when your voice goes up, at the end of a sentence when it's not a question. So you might, we commonly hear it when people introduce themselves. My name is Alison Shapiro, almost as if you're saying, I think, I'm, I'm not sure, I could be wrong about this, versus your voice going up and down naturally. My name is Alison Shapiro, and you make your, your name a statement a declaration. And so the way to be aware of that is to listen to the way you end your sentences. And if your voice goes up at the end of a sentence, make sure you're only doing that when you're asking a question as opposed to making a statement. Now, the caveat for that is that all around the world, we use different cadences in our language. So up talk can be particularly destructive in the US, whereas in Canada, it can be a normal part of the accent. So I always mention that people should be culturally sensitive when deciding if, if this is something that's a positive or a negative. Now, vocal fry, or as I call it, vocal fry, <laughs> happens when we're lazy in our breathing, because that's the way it sounds. Well, I, I used to call it crunchies before we had a word for it, because that's what it sounded like in my voice. And what's happening is we're closing off the breathing that's going through our vocal cords. So the sound that comes out is, is croaky as opposed to strong and firm. And the antidote to that is deep breathing because through deep breathing and then speaking on the breath, you're giving your voice the breath that it deserves in order to project your words forward as opposed to vocal fry which literally takes the power and energy out of your words and as a result, out of your message. Beautifully put. Thank you for those examples and, and the audio examples of both. I'm grateful. You know, you wrote so beautifully in the book about how the opera world didn't necessarily prepare you for content or messaging, because as we both know, the operas were written by someone else and we were singing their extraordinary music. How do you help your clients create compelling content and narratives and messages that reflect their brand or their subject matter? Or expertise. You're exactly right. As opera singers, it, it wouldn't even occur to us to write our own music. It's like, right. who do you think you are? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a pretty steep learning curve for me. And through studying the subject of public speaking, I was able to learn about content creation and storytelling and the power of a message. And when you think about what makes an opera singer so compelling, so passionate, it's when they truly 
connect with the emotion behind what they're saying. When they truly believe in what they're saying, they own the role as opposed to simply faking emotion. And so when it comes to public speaking, I, I start with that question, why you? Because I want people to connect with why it is they care about their subject and also why that subject is important for their listeners. So when you can craft a message that's something that you truly believe in and you convey it in a language that will resonate with your audience, which means without jargon. You don't inspire through jargon. You inspire through clear, concise authentic language and a lot of times people especially when will feel like they have to change who they are in a professional environment because how they are may may be deemed unprofessional but in fact when you're confident and authentic the message is more authentic and as a result it has a stronger better impact on your audience because people can relate to it beautifully put and you know it, it reminds me of how singers study technique. And there is truly a technique in effective public speaking as well. So Allison, bring us home. I know so many people say, okay, I, I get the content, I understand intellectually what I need to do, but my goodness, I'm overwhelmed with nerves or fear or stage fright. How do they tackle that? Stage fright, and there's a whole chapter in the book on how do you calm your nerves and how do you build your confidence? So breathing is a huge part of it. <clears throat> and in the book, I walk people through the exercises that they can use to calm their nerves right before a speech. It comes from breathing, it comes from meditation and mindfulness, and from reminding yourself, not why this is important to you, but why it's important to your audience because you're not getting on stage or walking into a conference room or a room with clients. You're not going in there to look good. You're going in there in order to have an impact on your audience, to change their lives for the better. And so if you can reframe the attention away from you and onto your message, then you walk into that room in the service of your message and, and reframing it in that way so that it's not about us, it's about the impact, makes us stand taller and, and fills us with a sense of purpose. And that is an incredibly powerful way to overcome stage fright. The service of your message. Allison, what a beautiful way for us to end. Thank you so much for joining me today on Your Working Life. I'm so grateful to have the opportunity to speak with you about your diva training and how it's helped so many improve and boost their public speaking. And I want to tell our global audience about your extraordinary book. I'm holding it in my hand. It's called Speak with Impact, How to Command the Room and Influence Others. And of course, it's available on Amazon and major book retailers. So I hope... I hope many listening will check it out. Allison, thank you, and I wish you continued success. Thank you so much. My pleasure to be with you today. And if you like the show, please subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud, and even better, leave us a review because this really helps people find us online and let us know what career-minded issues you would like for us to discuss on a future show. You can find me on Twitter at Higgins, and I always want to give a special shout out to my extraordinary Your Working Life colleagues, Laura Deck 
Executive Director of Publicity and Communications, and Claire McInerney, our Executive Producer. Thank you for the expert work you do to make this show incredible for our audience. I'm Caroline Dowd-Higgins. Thanks for listening.